0: I appreciate Dan sharing uh, his testimony with us there. And if if you are not in a life group as of yet, I echo what he said. This is uh, amazing. Uh, I'm in a life group. Myself, my family, we're in a life group. And, uh, you know, ours met last night. And the last two uh, life groups have been really amazing. Uh, We've been going through a lot of this information. You know, uh, in your life group, you have like a 20-minute <clears throat> little uh, DVD from Rick Warren, who actually wrote the book. And I cannot encourage you enough to get the book if you don't have it already. And it's like, what on earth am I here for? And there's a little study guide that goes with it. If you go back to the back, <clears throat> and you can pick it up there, or down in the uh, resource center downstairs. And if you're a little bit short, don't matter. Just some, you know, Pastor Ron told me to get the book. Everybody gets a book, whether you can afford it or not. Don't make no difference it's just so good, so rich. And um, I really believe, believe it'll bring about a tremendous transformation in our lives as we study it together. So if you're not in a life group, if you stop at the connections desk back there, Mike, our uh, you know, life group uh, leader, uh, he's standing back there to help you get plugged in and get you connected to one in your area. Uh, and it, it's really worth the time that you'll invest other people who are going through life, they're hearing what God's Word says, they're sharing their thoughts, their feelings, you know, what they're, they're dealing with, and, and, and it's just really, really, really rich. So, we've been talking about what on earth am I here for? You know, we were created. We understand that, that we were created, and only a creator, our creator, can tell us what our purpose is, because he created us. For a purpose, and I'd like us to look, if we could, to the book of Ephesians, chapter one, verse four, and it says here: "Long ago." Did, did y'all get that? Did you want me to read it again? Long ago, even before. He, talking about God, made the world, God loved us. Before he made the world, God loved us. You were in his thoughts, in his mind. Long before he made the world, God loved us. You were created as an object of God's love. It's really amazing when you think about it. You know, God made the universe so he could make the earth, so he could make the human race, so he could make you, so he could love you. It's it's amazing when you think about this. If God, you know, hadn't wanted to love you, well, all the other stuff wouldn't have happened. But he made the universe, the earth, the human race, and you, so he could love you. That's what it's really all about. And God doesn't just have love, and God doesn't just... Show love, but in 1 John chapter four verse eight, as well as in verse sixteen, the essence of it you'll see it there it says, God is love, not that he loves, but he is love. That is really the essence and and the uh, the character, if you would. the nature of God is love that's who he is, you know, and the only reason you and I have the capacity to love is because you and I are created in the very image of God. If you think about it for a moment, ants can't love, snails can't love, spiders can't love because they're not created in the image of God. But you and I, as the Bible says, were created in the image of God. And therefore, we have the capacity to love. Listen to what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. He showed it. I mean, we just celebrated communion a few moments ago where we took the bread, we took the grape juice. Jesus said to do that. Often to remember, you know, how much he loves us what he did, you know, to purchase our salvation. First John chapter 4, verse 10, it says, this is, what's that word? Real love. Is, is there a love that ain't real? Yes. There's a lot of people when they say they love you, what their meaning is I lust for you or other kinds of things. But all love is not real. But he says here, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Long before he created this world, he loved us. We were in his heart and his mind. And he says, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And then looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, once again, it says, long ago before He made the world, God loved us, and chose us in Christ. And and being in Christ is like being in in the ocean, being in a submarine. You can survive the ocean when you're in a submarine. And it says here, he chose us in, to be in Christ, to be holy and without fault. And you go, how can I be holy and how can I be without fault in his eyes? And then he explains it in the next portion of this verse. He says, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. See, God wanted a family. And before the earth was ever created, before this world ever existed, you were in the mind, in the heart of God. He loved you before that. The scripture is very clear about that. And he says, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his family. God, before you were ever born, he loved you. You were in his heart and his mind before the world was created So says his word. And he says, let me read one more time. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him not just pleasure. It gave him great pleasure as God was thinking about adopting you. Before you were born, You were in the mind and the heart of God. And it gave him great pleasure anticipating a relationship with you. You know, as as we look at God's calling on your life, we talked a wee bit about that last week and and the assignment that he has for you. As we look at God's purpose for your life, see, God's reason for creating you is, is pretty simple. Your first purpose is to be loved by God. God created you to love you. That's why he created you. The first reason God created you was to love you. And even before the world was created, he says he loves us. God did not create you to do something for him. He created you to receive something from him. And that's his love he created you for that purpose to be the recipient of his love and see once we get this once we understand how much God loves us I'm talking about it's a game changer I'm talking about it brings about a radical transformation in our life when we understand that God loves us he wants to love us he created us to love us you know our duty in life is not to do something we're really wired and geared to do stuff but our duty in life is not to do something our first duty is not to do something it's not to learn our first duty in life is not to learn it's not to listen it's not to pray it's not to give it's not to sacrifice our first duty in life is not to serve it's pretty amazing when you think about that all those things are good and they will come in, in their proper place. But it's not the first purpose that God created you. He created you to receive his love. Let God love you. He created you to love you. It's the first purpose that God has for your life is for you to be loved by him. Created you to love you. Listen to what it says here in the book of Jude. Have you ever read the book of Jude? How many chapters is in it? One chapter. When you get to heaven, and Jude's going to say, hey, did you read my book? You know? (laughs) Hey, Jude. Yeah, the only couple of you who laughed means you're old. (laughs) You knew that song, right? It says, this letter is from Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, And a brother of James, now you know James, he was the very first pastor in the New Testament church. James was the very first pastor. And uh, as Jude is introducing himself, he says, this letter here in Jude, this letter is from Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Now the interesting thing is James was the first pastor, but more important than that, James was also the brother of James. Jesus, did you know that? A half-brother, if, if you would. Uh, and you did know that Jesus had brothers and sisters. The Bible is very clear on that. Jesus was born of a virgin. She had never had a relation with a man, but after Jesus was born, she did. Her and Joseph had several other children, and, and her children, Jesus' brothers and sisters. The Bible says that. Uh, they didn't really believe in him too much, you know I mean, they looked up to him, and they respected him, and all that. but it was only after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead that they believed everything he'd said actually happened, and James, who was jesus 's brother, became the very first New Testament church pastor. but Jude was james 's brother, and James was jesus 's brother. And and Jude could have. He he was a humble man as he's telling us this. Anyhow, that was just a little foundation as we read Jude 1. It says, this letter is from Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, and a brother of James. And he says, and I'm writing to all who are called to live in. What? We have been called. This is talking about a relationship here. He says, I'm writing to all who are called to live in. In the love of God. To live in the love of God the Father. And in the care of Jesus Christ. He's telling us that we have been called to live in God's love. From the very beginning of time God loved us. We were in his heart and his mind before creation. And he created us to love us. And Judas is talking about us living in the love of God. Living there in the love of God. See the number one calling of your life is not to play a certain role. We're not just playing roles. It's not that you've been called to a certain responsibility. The number one calling of your life is not to a bunch of rules, not to a bunch of regulations. A lot of people think that's what it's about. But the number one calling of our life is not to rituals and it's not to religion. The number one calling of our life is to be in a relationship with God. Christianity, and and I must emphasize this, is not about religion. Now, most people who are religious will try to force Christianity into a pigeonhole of Christianity a religion. It is not a religion. It's not rituals and rules and regulations. That is not Christianity. Although folks want to just address, well, here's the religion, now you're just one of the multiple religions out there and you go in this little cubbyhole, but that is not true, not at all. Christianity is not about rituals, regulations, and rules. Christianity is all about relationship with God. Before the world was created, God loved you. He wanted to adopt you as part of his family. He wanted to show and demonstrate his love to you. It's relationship-driven, and that is so much different than trying to live by a bunch of rules and regulations and all. It really is. So so what kind of a relationship does God want to have with you? Does he want you to be his slave? No. Uh, Does he want you to be his servant? That sounds a little bit better. No. Does he want you to be his soldier so so you'll fight his battles? No. No. Does he want you to be his warrior? No. Does he want you to be his worker? No. Does he want you to be and function as his employee? No. God wants you to be his sons and his daughters. He wants a relationship with you. God is crazy about you. He loves you. Before you were ever created, God loves you. Wants you to experience his love being a part of his family. Romans chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Dear friends in Rome, God loves you, what's that next word? Dearly. God loves you dearly, and he has called you to be his very own people. He's talking about family. You family. (laughs) Is family different? Absolutely. Family is so much different. And God has called you to be family. He says he loves you dearly and has called you to be his very own people. Our first purpose is to be loved by God and hear this word and to enjoy a relationship with him. A lot of people go, enjoy God? When I'm around God, it's just like I'm scared, I'm shaking, I'm fearful or something like that, you know. But he wants us to enjoy a relationship with him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, What an incredible quality, an incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us. Unlike any other kind of love, what an incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us that we should be named and called and counted the children of God! Exclamation mark. And what's the next four words say? And so we are. God named us, called us, counted us, his children. Been wanting from the very beginning of time. You know, when Susan and I first discovered we were pregnant, we, 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 we talked to our child. From the moment that we knew that we had conceived the child, we talked, we prayed, we, we, we sing, you know, and, 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 and communicated and let our, our, our babies, even in the womb, know that we love them. We can hardly wait for them to show up on the scene. And God loves us even more than we love our own children, so much more. And he says, he's named and called and counted us, the children of God, his children, and so we are. You know, there's a lot of people who actually, they miss heaven by 18 inches. 18 inches because they got it here. Okay, I understand what you're saying but they don't got it here. They don't have it in their hearts. And what I'm talking about here is God's love is extravagant. Have you ever seen his extravagant love? How many of you saw the sunrise this morning? Two and a half. How many of you saw the sunset last night? That's more your speed. Sunsets. If God had wanted me to see the sunrise, he would have made it later today, right? <laughs> Let me tell you, if God's extravagant love. He could have put us here. We could have survived here in a less beautiful place on this planet. But he made colors and he made fragrances for us to smell and, and beautiful. I mean, a beautiful artistic masterpiece and it's moving. As the sun is rising and setting and even the stars at night, God created that for you because he loves you and he knew you would enjoy it. And sometimes you just look out the window for a few moments on the way to church and you see the trees that are blossoming and the flowers that are so beautiful. Oh, I saw God made it for you. Extravagance and and love for you because he knew you would enjoy those beautiful colors and hearing the birds sing and all the fragrances of the flowers and all. He created them for you. That's what he did because he loves you. I'm talking about God. His love is extravagant. His his love is lavish toward us beyond comprehension. It it could have been all food tastes the same. But he created all the flavors. That's his extravagant love for you because you were in his heart and mind before he created the planet, before he created the world. God loves you. On the good days. <laughs> and the bad days. He loves you on the good days, he loves you on the bad days. And there's nothing that you can do to cause God to stop loving you. I'm, I'm telling you, that's just the truth. You can turn your back on God and you can walk away from Him and you can end up in hell one day. But and you may break God's heart, but He will never ever stop loving you you and you know something else you cannot make god love you anymore because he loves you with a complete and a perfect love with all that he is and see somebody might do something you and hurt your feeling you don't love as much as you used to but god loves you and will never because he tells us in his word his love is everlasting he'll never withdraw his love from you not once not ever god's love is based on Who he is and my bible tells us that god is love he's the essence the character of of love your number one calling in life is not to do something do something to try to impress god your number one calling in life is to receive something and that's to receive his love he created you to love you i'm telling you if you get a hold of this it will change your whole life as i've been studying this stuff for several weeks it's like and I know a lot of this stuff, but it's meddling with me. It's like, wow. I mean, I begin to understand the depth of God's love more than I ever have before. It's like, before the creation of the world, he loved me. He knows every little thing about me and everything about you, and he loves you just the same. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, I pray that Christ will be more... And more at home, which means to be welcome in your hearts as you trust in him. And that you become more and more comfortable with being in a relationship with him. But he says, I, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. And may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. Let me ask you a question. How important is soil if you're a farmer? Does it really matter what kind of soil it is? Let me ask you, uh, does does, does plants pick up stuff that's in the soil? You know, if if you find some vegetables or fruit or something growing on the sides of the road, really close to the road, you know you shouldn't eat them, right? Because all the contaminants from the emissions from the... The, uh, the fuel burning, the exhaust, and, and the wear and tear of the brake pads and the rubber that's wearing off of the tires, that all gets into that soil. Those plants absorb that. They, they become toxic. And lots of times those plants, though they look perfectly normal, they're toxic and there's things in there that's not good for you. So it's really important the kind of soil that you grow your stuff in. And here, here, he's telling us the kind of soil we need for our roots so we can stand and grow and blossom and bloom and and reach our full potential and we can stand during storms and all. He says, may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long... And how high and how deep his love really is. And then what does it say? May you experience the love of Christ. Not just know about love, but may you experience the love of Christ. Uh, God says, I want you to feel loved. I don't want you just to know about love, but I want you to feel it. I want you to experience it. And every fiber of your being, God says, I want you to experience the love I have for you. The Almighty, the Most High. I'm not talking about religion, rituals and routines, rules and regulations, but I'm talking about a relationship with the Almighty who created you. His word tells us, may you experience the love of Christ. And then it goes on to say, though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? That you can't fully understand it? It's like uh, an ant trying to understand the Internet. Oh, you're going to know and grasp more and more about God's love as the days go by. But it's so awesome. It's so big and it's so huge and it's so unselfish. It's hard to grasp it all. You know, the uh, your brain just doesn't have the capacity to understand how much God really does love you. I mean, you take a baby, one, two, three, 14, 15, 16, 18 years old even, does a child really understand how much God, I mean, mom and dad love them? I didn't until I became a daddy myself and I began to love my child from the moment of conception then I understood how much mom and Dad loved me. You, you know what I'm talking I'm not being critical of you young guys. I was a, a young person once. You know. I really was. You know. So, how wide is God's love? It's wide enough to be everywhere. And I don't know if you understand when I say it's wide enough to be and is everywhere. God's love is in the bars where people are are drunk. God's love is in the red light district where people, because of whatever issues, are forced to sell their bodies. God's love is in the slums, and God's love is in the the ghettos, and God's love is in the place of the poorest of the poor. There is no place that God's love is not at, and you might go, I don't see it there. There. But any time a man or woman will cry out, they can connect with his love wherever they might be. Right at this very moment, there are thousands, tens of thousands of radio waves zipping through this building right now. Do you believe that? You can't see them. can't taste them. Smell them. Not not at this very moment, but you know something? There there are, uh, there's music awesome music, and and there's colored pictures zipping through this room going right through you right now. Did you know that? How many of you right now, you know how to do it. You can pull out your cell phone, and you could download, you could watch a movie with living color right where you're sitting right now. How many of you know that you can do that? Some of you are going, you can? You show me how to do that. But, but th- those colors and those sounds and all, they're zipping right through our room right now, but you're not tuned in, you see. And other people don't know that you can tune in. But you can tune in and you can get all those things, tens of millions of sounds and pictures right here in this room. Just because you can't see it don't mean it's not there. And God's love is everywhere if we will tune in to it. Basically means to welcome it. Do you welcome his love into your life? No matter where you're at, he can come and will come and he will help you no matter what's going on Around about you. Okay, so so how wide is God's love? It's wide enough to be everywhere. Now, there's times when you might feel all alone. You might kind of feel abandoned. There is no place where God's love is not at. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That's what God's promise is to us. But we've got to tune in. We've got to welcome Him into our life. Though we don't see it, we don't feel it, we don't think it's here. If we will welcome him who created us, we'll tune in, we can receive his love and his provisions no matter where you're at. Okay, so we see a little teeny bit about how wide God's love is. How long is God's love? It's long enough to last forever. That's how long his love is. You think about it. Human love wears out. You seen that happen? Human love wears out. You know, I mean, there's conflicts, there's breakups, there's, there's divorces, and there's every other imaginable kind of a thing that where human love has failed. It's fallen short. It wears out. But God's love is so long, it will never wear out. It will last forever. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, it says, Long ago the Lord said, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love. Human love fails. Human love wears out. It says, Long ago the Lord said, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love. I have drawn you to myself. How deep is God's love? It's deep enough to handle anything and everything that you ever go through in your life. No matter what the pain or the problems or the hurts that you're going through, God's love is deeper than that. You may have said, and it's very likely that you've said that right here in this place before, where you're talking to somebody, you go, I'm in the pits. Man, this is the pits. Anybody ever use the term about, I'm in the pits? Some of you are kind of shaking their heads. so I'm not going to acknowledge that. Anybody here ever been in the pits, you know? It's like, oh, man. You know, I'm, 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 I've hit bottom. Ever use, man, I've, I've hit the bottom. You know, I'm in the pit of despair. Have you ever said this? I, it just can't get any lower than I am right now. Don't ever say that. It's like, it can't get no worse. Don't ever say that, because it can But we're talking about how deep is God's love. And if you're in the pits of despair, you know, God's love is deeper and will pull you out. He tells us, and and I believe it's in Psalms 40, verse 2, where the psalmist says, He brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet when he brought me up upon a rock. And he's established my goings. And he's put a new song in my mouth. Praises to my God. And many other people, they're going to see what he's done for me. And they're going to fear and they're going to put their trust in God. Psalms 40, verse 2, it tells us that. God's love is deeper than anywhere you've ever been, and he can bring you out of it. I'm telling you, he specializes in that. How about height? How high is God's love? Have, have you ever been driving through places, kind of like the mountains somewhere, and you see it It says scenic overlook? And it's a place that you can pull in, and you can look over the valleys and see the rivers and the lakes down in the valley below because you're way up on a mountain somewhere and you're looking over well God's love is high enough to look over to overlook my sins God's love is is high enough to to overlook all of my mistakes my faults my, my failures my rebellion see God offers you and me, He offers us forgiveness through the cross of Jesus Christ. He offers us that. He he offers us a chance to start over. It's absolutely amazing. Listen to this. God's been waiting your entire life for this moment where He can get you to sit still and He says, You have no idea how much I love you. I've always loved you. There has never been a moment of your existence that I didn't love you. I was the one who planned your birth. I allowed that fertilization. I allowed that conception. I wanted you alive so I could love you. I saw you formed in your mother's womb. I saw you take your first breath. I heard your first cry. There's been no moment of your life that I turned my back from you. And I've not listened to you. There's never been a time I've not listened to you, or that I've not watched you. I saw every pain you go through, every sin you've ever done, the celebrations and the sadness, the happy times and the sad times, the grief, the pain, the exhilaration. I've been there at every moment of your life. And whether you realize it or not, I was gazing on you in love because I made you to love you. Question. Would your life change if you genuinely became aware of God's love in an unconditional, a continuous, a never-ending kind of a way. If you became aware of the reality of how wide and deep and high and, and all that God's love, do you think it would affect your life at all? Imagine if you woke up in the morning and the first thing that came into your heart and mind when you awake and there's like... Oh, The apple of his eye. I'm, I'm special to God, and you were sensing God's presence as you you showered and you prepared for your day, and you ate your breakfast. And she's like, "Wow, these flavors of this food! God's demonstrating His love to me. He made things taste wonderful, and and He loves me." And and you got into your car, and you're thinking, "God's goodness." Gave people the wisdom to, to build cars and all, so I could drive these. And you were just overwhelmed by the love of God. You, you either got to your work or you got to your school place and you just sensed his love with you every moment and all the things that you did. You got in, in your car, you came back home, and not one time did you feel alone or abandoned, but you sensed his presence with it. Maybe, maybe you watched a movie and something in the movie just triggered it and it's just like, you know, you knew that God is there for you, and, and, and what you're doing is real. It's not just some fictitious move, but, but God is real, and he loves you. And you go out in the yard, and maybe you do a little bit of yard work, and you just sense that I am not alone. I am loved. You sense it. I'm telling you, if you begin to sense the reality of God's love, it will change your life radically, bring about a transformation when you know that you're loved you know things would radically change when you become aware that you're loved by God now see the truth of it is people avoid God because when they get around God they feel guilty they, they, they feel condemned they're ashamed they, they feel like I failed and they feel judged and criticized You know, well, I go to church and I feel like I'm being put down or or I hear some Christian music and it reminds me how far I've fallen from God and and on and on so they stay away from everything that seems Christian. They avoid God because they feel bad because God is so good and they're so bad, they feel. But the truth of it is God's going, hold on a moment, wait a minute, that ain't the way it is, I love you. If you have a child say your child is two or three years old and they're walking and they fall in the mud And they get mud all over their face and you go man, you're not mine no more Uh -uh." (laughs) No, you grab that child you love them you clean them up you hug them you put a band-aid on their knee if they need that You love them and god loves us so much more than that so much more than that Do not avoid god because you feel like a failure god when you're with him He picks us up and He cleans us up and He helps us to reach our full potential. There's nothing more important to God than you. Before the world was created, He loved you. That's why He created the universe and the earth and the human race and you so He could love you. In the book of John, chapter 3, verse 17, it says, God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him, through his love. He loved us so much. The verse before that, John 3:16. says, he loved the world so much, he gave his son, and his son came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Romans chapter eight verse one says, "So now there is no no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. God does not condemn us. He's not in heaven with a big old stick, ready for us to step out of line. Whoever drew that picture is from the pits of hell. And they're a liar because God loves you. He's not mad at you. Never has been, never will be. Can he be disappointed in us if we choose to rebel against him? Yes, he can be disappointed and his heart can be broken. But he loves you. Before the world began, he knew your failures. That's the reason he's, he, it was all planned ahead of time. So you could receive Christ, so your sins could be washed away, so you could be adopted and be part of His family. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, By faith we have been made, what's that word? Acceptable to God. By faith we've been made acceptable to God. This is huge because we all have this addiction. Every one of you here, you have this addiction. For people's acceptance for people's approval it's the thing that powers us more than anything else it's it's the peer pressure i want to i don't want to do that but in order for you to accept me i'll do it i'll go along with you and i'll do that i'll do what you want to do because i'm addicted to your acceptance or your approval people are addicted to the acceptance of other folks it's called peer pressure we're addicted for, for their approval and we'll do things we never dreamed we would do to receive their approval, and to receive their acceptance, you know. But I want you to know something. God accepts you. He accepts you the way you are. And when you realize that God accepts you, and he loves you unconditionally, you'll realize that you don't need the acceptance and the approval of people anymore. God accepts me the way I am. Now, I don't know if I should tell you this or not, Can can I tell you something? I mean, this is tough. And you're going to find this hard to believe. But there are some folks who criticize me. But I want you to understand something. With God's love and, and his acceptance, I'm good with that. That's okay. God accepts me. He goes that's my boy that's all that matters you see what about you do you understand that God loves you and he accepts you and he approves of you he wants relationship with you and when you know you're accepted by God all the peers out there it don't matter no more God loves me he's got plans for my life and he accepts me right where I'm at it's awesome Here's here's a passage in the Bible and I would encourage you, if you would take the time to read it when you get home, because I'm just going to zip through it real quick. But we could take these few verses right here, about eight verses, and we could do a whole uh, weekend lesson on it. So you need to take it and read a little bit slower. But listen to what it says as I read through it quickly. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. It says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, Who can ever be against us? Nobody. Verse 32 says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he, God, also give us everything else? Verse 33 says, Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Verse 34, Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Verse 35 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? No. He says, Does it mean he no longer loves me if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or are threatened with death? Does does it mean that he no longer loves me if we got problems? Listen to what it says in verse 37. No, despite all these things, what's his next two words? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced, the apostle says, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. He loved you before the worlds was made. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Verse 39 says, No power in the sky, above, or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Whew, man, when you go through that and you recognize how much God loves you and how much he wants you to know that he loves you, it, 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 it changes things in our life. When we know he accepts us and he forgives us and he helps us every step of the way. And let me tell you something. When you know that you're loved, it makes you bold when you go to God with your needs. God doesn't want you coming to him, for, well, uh, God, I know you're a lot busier than, than most folks and, and I really don't mean to cut in on your time. But I'm, you probably won't answer me anyhow and you're probably not even listening, but God, I just kind of need to pay my rent this week. It's like, is that the way you pray? That ain't the way you approach family. That ain't the way you approach your, your father. That's not the way. No, it's not. Because see... If you were aware, genuinely aware, how much God loves you, you would approach him boldly because you're his son, his daughter. You're part of the family. And you know that he loves you unconditionally and you can talk about anything to him. See, when my kids were little, my kids assumed that I had everything. My kids assumed that I knew everything and my kids assumed that I could afford everything. Now you and I know that's not true, and now they're old enough to know it's not true also. But it is true about my Father God. He does have everything, and He knows everything, and He can afford everything, and He can meet my needs. He tells us in His Word. Romans chapter 8, looking at verse 14, it says, All who are led by the Spirit of God are... Children of God. So you should not be cowering, fearful slaves. Oh, God, I don't mean to bother you. No. Is that the way your kids, when they're little, approach you? No. They just bust right in. Mommy, Daddy, I want one of these. It costs like $2 million or something, you know. (laughs) I got to have that, Mommy, you know. It says... All, Romans 8:14, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, so you should not be cowering, fearful slaves. But be bold. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into the family, calling him father, dear father, which it really means their Abba, which means daddy. Now, religious people will take great offense at this when you go, our daddy, which art in heaven. You can't call God that. He said to See, if religion wants it to be sterile and businesslike, rules and regulations, military style, but God wants a relationship with you, and he wants you to address him as your, your spiritual, your heavenly daddy who loves me. Our Father, which are in heaven, it sounds kind of cold and distant, but that's not the way God wants it to be. He tells us here, that in verse 17 it says, and since we are his children, this is Romans 8, 17, it says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God. Joint heirs with Christ, anything that Christ could ask the Father for, you and I can ask for, and his word tells us to be bold. Now, my children always had access to me. When I was in my study or an office or an appointment, my kids even to this day can bust in anytime they want to because they're family. And, and, and that's just the way it is. That's just the deal. They can interrupt anything for a little while, talk to daddy if, if they need or they want to. That's just been the way it is. Have you ever been to a concert where you knew the people who were doing the concert? And you got these uh, you know passes, what are they called? all-access passes, and you go, you're trying to get to the backstage, you got security everywhere around. No, you can't go by here, and you pull out your pass. And they go, please come right on in. You know, it was like, it changed things. And God gives us an all-access pass, and he wants us to be bold with it. Not like, well, Mr. Security Guard, I know you don't want me coming up in there, but you might have this, this. Show it to him. Hey, buddy, I got privileges. Oh, yes, you do. Please go on in. I'm sorry. Don't tell that I didn't let you in, okay? I mean, you can be bold when you go to God. You have an all-access pass. He says in Hebrews 4, 16, So let us come timidly. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive His mercy. That's not getting the bad that we deserve. And we will find His grace. That's getting all the good we don't deserve. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Go bold to God. You got a relationship. He's your daddy. Go bold to him. Before he created the planet, he loves you. He created the planet for you. Don't you think he can take care of your needs? Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. When you know, when I know that I'm loved by God, I have peace even in pain, although I don't understand everything that's going on. And I'm sure you've asked the question many a time, why, why, why did this happen? Why why did that, why didn't this happen? Why didn't it happen? Why did it happen, you know? We don't have to understand things to have peace. An explanation of why this happened doesn't necessarily bring peace anyhow, if you think about it. Philippians chapter four verse seven it says this peace of God, the peace of God which passes all understanding. You can have peace though you don't understand it. You you can tune in to God even if you don't understand. You can tune into a radio or a television even if you don't understand it. You can tune in, you can welcome it, you can connect with it. And it says the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, it's God's presence and his love that comforts us. Not explanations and trying to understand it, but his presence and his love is what comforts us. and He works it all together for good. When I know I'm loved, and it'll be the same with you, you know, I gain the courage to take risk when I know that I'm loved, you know. I had to be really careful when uh, Judah was a little fellow, because he, he would climb up from the stairs and he'd dive out and catch me. And he just thought that I could always do that. And sometimes I, don't, I didn't even know he was on the stairs. And I walk by and he dives off these high stairs like, wait, tell me you're going to do that, you know. But God can catch you. He loves you. And when you know you're loved and he can do anything, we're willing to obey him. We're willing to take risks. We're willing to take out a giant with a slingshot. Like David did, you see. When I know I'm loved... I gain the courage to take risk. When somebody believes in you, it changes you, does it not? You become capable of accomplishing impossible things. When somebody believes in you, it gives you additional power, it gives you additional energy. Now, Susan, my wife, she rarely misses a midweek service. If she does, it's usually because one of her kids have pulled her to help them in super church or nursery. You know, fill in where somebody was sick or something like that. But she's rarely ever not in a service. In the 35 years that we've been teaching, she's, she's usually in every service. That's just the way it has happened, you know, over the years. And she always tells me at some point before the day is over, hey, you did a really good job. And that's all I need. And I'm not looking, I'm not fishing for compliments. I got all I need. I know that God loves me and accepts me. And my wife says, You did a good job and I'm cool with that does that make sense and because I know she believes in me I'm a risk taker she does say sometimes I don't think you should do that I'm going it'll be okay you know and most of the time I don't have to go to the doctor or nothing or, or the hospital take some risk well what I want to communicate to you here today and you may find this shocking but God believes in you. You're going, what? I thought I was supposed to believe in him. How many parents know that you believe in your children? You believe they're going to make it. They're going to overcome that obstacle. They are going to succeed. How many of you parents believe in your kids? Even if they got battles. And I'm going to tell you, if that gives them hope. It pulls them up and it sets them apart and it helps them to move forward because there's somebody who believes in them. And I'm telling you by the authority of Almighty God that God believes in you. And it empowers us to take risks, to obey Him and do the things that we were created for. Maybe nobody else will totally understand it. It don't matter as long as God does. I'm talking about if you've really, really, really blown it. Anybody here ever really blown it? I mean, well, I, well, I really blew that, you know. Listen to what God says to you once you've blown it. He says, it's okay. We can start over. And I will help you this time. God, I, I should have let you help me the first time. It's okay. Don't get upset about it. You know, it, we're gonna start over, and, and I'm gonna be—I'm gonna help you this time. When you've blown it, God ain't there for big stick. He's not trying to judge you and bash you with it. He is not. We need to cast those pictures out of our mind. God says it's okay. We'll start over, and I will help you this time. See, one plus God equals a done deal. When God is with you, who can be against you? When you got God on your side, you are a majority. You really are. Well, here's a, a question. And the last scripture we're going to look at today. How do I become a son or a daughter of God? Listen what the Bible says. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, To most Who's interrupting it? It says, to all who believed him, and that's referring to Jesus, to all who believed him and accepted him, remember, he's already accepted you, and he loves you. To all who believe him and accepted him, Jesus gave the right to become children of God. I'm talking about a relationship with almighty God and it is real and it's authentic and that's what he's wanted from the beginning and people who've got a lot of rules and regulations will get upset with you because they want you to be as miserable as they are. You do know that misery loves company. And I'm telling you, God's word is true. You can live by it and you can die by it. It is absolutely the truth. It is. It is. Now, as we conclude, I'd like us to listen to one very short song. Are y'all familiar with the song that Jesus loves me? Well, this is a little updated version of that. It's heart-touching, and I would challenge you to open your, your minds and open your heart as we listen to this song as we close, and then I'll pray. Our heads together. <clears throat> Father, we thank you so much for giving us your word. Lord, we're just so sorry we've not read it and studied it more in depth to discover, to realize that you love us so much. Lord, it changes things in us. When we know you accept us and you love us and you care about us and you'll help us, no matter where we're at on this planet, or off of this planet, you're there, your love is there. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word and causing faith in our hearts to begin to rise. Lord, we're beginning to understand what on earth we're here for. We're here to be loved by you. Help us to become contagious with your love and let other people know how much you love them. our heads are bowed right now, I'd ask you to join me in a a simple prayer to reaffirm your faith and your love for God. You're here today and and you've never welcomed Christ into your life. Would you join us and would you receive his love? Would you welcome his love into your life right now? Boy, it, it brings about an awesome change for the better. Could we pray together right now? Would you join me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. From the beginning of time, I believe that you love me. I believe that's why you sent Jesus. And that he died on the cross for me. And he shed his blood. And he paid for my sins. And he washed my sins away. And he's given me a new start. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe that He is alive, knocking at the door of my heart. I humble myself and I open the door and I welcome Jesus. I tune into Jesus. I tune into your love and I welcome you into my life as my Savior as my Lord, as my soon-coming King. I am sorry for my sinful ways. I'm sorry for my fear and my doubt, but I choose this day to pursue you and to let you have all there is of me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, when you're... uh, weekly challenge on your connections card. It just simply says, if you agree, just check on it. We'll put a check beside, drop it in the tithe box. It says, this week, I will aim to become more aware of God's love for me. When you know you're loved, it changes things. When you know that he believes in you, it changes things. So if you agree with this, This week, I will aim to become more aware of God's love for me. You agree to that? Check it off, drop it in the tithe box on your way out. Those of you who prayed this day for the very first time and you welcomed God into your life. You welcomed his love. You accepted Christ to come in as your Savior. When you leave, if you'll stop at the Connections desk on your way out, we've got a little gift bag for you. It's got a movie and a Bible and a bunch of little goodies that I believe will inspire you. Pick it up. If you're a guest with us, we have a Uh, a beautiful uh, gift for you, for all of you who are guests today. And uh, it's just a little something to say, we are so glad you came, and we hope you come back. And if you need some prayer, the altar is open. There will be several folks up here who would love to pray with you. And why does God answer our prayers? Because he loves us. That's why, because he loves us. So take advantage of that. Or maybe you got a brother or sister, somebody who you know right close by, and you can just say, "Hey, would you pray for me before I leave?" That's okay. God answers our prayers. We want to come to Him boldly. We want to come to Him with His Word. And then, if you would, if you don't, if you don't uh, have a book already, please pick up a book and uh, a workbook. If you're if you're not in a, a life group yet, stop and see Mike back there, at the connections desk, and he'll get you connected in a life group. It is awesome. The life group, you, you hear things. Rick Warren does this little 20-minute teaching every life group that you're never hearing here. It complements all the things we're studying. It takes us to a whole nother level. What did I say? A whole nother level. And that's what we're going to do next week. You don't want to miss next week. We hope to see you then. God bless you. You are dismissed.